What's up, millionaires, especially for all of you out there that have been exploring the endless opportunities of starting your own podcast. I think it's only right I tell you about Anchor because I use Anchor to host my own podcast, The Million Dollar Mind, and not just because it's free like all hosting platforms should be, but Anchor offers unlimited space for content, free distribution on major platforms like your Apple, Spotify, Google, etc., free mobile and desktop recording tools. And the best part is you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. To learn more about Anchor, be sure to visit anchor.fm or follow the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. What's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode 100 on top six negotiating tactics. Man, we finally made it to episode 100, and I'm just super, super, super stoked, excited, man. It's hard to even explain the emotions that I'm going through right now because, as I always mention, it seems like just yesterday, y'all, we started the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode one, season one. And here we are, season three, episode 100, celebrating our centennial and just to celebrate and just to give back because I'm super appreciative of those who have been following and keeping up with the podcast week in, week out, every Monday, every Friday. I'm feeling super generous and I want to give away a exclusive giveaway to the million dollar mind community just to celebrate episode 100. So stick around to the end of the episode and you'll find out how to win the abundance league super pack. All right. Welcome back to the million dollar mind podcast. I'm your guy Kai speaks, and this is your guide to accumulating abundance in your life. The only place for tips and tricks on identifying your passions and attracting opportunities to make a living while living your dreams. Now, I want to ask you guys a couple of questions, right? And the, and the, the main question I really want to ask is this, this episode is going to be very self-reflecting. And this question is really for you to sit and ponder if this is something that could bring a lot of value to your life. I did a quick poll on social media, uh, on my Instagram, and a lot of people were saying about 98% of the polls said that they will find a lot of value in what I'm getting ready to present to y'all today. Now, would you find benefit in learning some of the strongest negotiating tactics? Think about that. Could you benefit from learning some of the strongest negotiating tactics, like tactics that FBI negotiators are using, tactics that uh, real estate agents are using, like just tactics that very successful people are using on a day-to-day basis because you don't have to be in a sales position. You don't have to be a realtor and no real, like you don't have to know, you don't have to be in any of that. Sales and negotiations is a skill that can be transferable to any and everything that you want to be successful at, right? Just say, for instance, if you want to buy a car or buy a house at the lowest possible price, you can definitely benefit from learning some of these negotiating tactics. Let's just say you just want to negotiate a raise at work, right? You feel as though your output is way higher than your input. You're you're doing a lot, but you're not really getting anything in return. And you just want to learn how you can really just get a raise at work. You've been there for quite some time. You've proven your value. It's about time for you to negotiate a raise. And if that's you, then you definitely can benefit from negotiating tactics, right? And then positioning yourself for a promotion. 
whether it's a raise or a promotion, they kind of go hand in hand. So you already know what I'm going to say. You can definitely benefit from learning some negotiating tactics to do that. And then lastly, but certainly not least, get others to act on your behalf just to just be a better influencer and make an impact on people's lives to where just the things and how you communicate and how you negotiate terms can really influence others to act and do things on your behalf and provide you what it is that you're communicating that you need. So if that's somebody that you would like to be, then stick around because you're definitely going to find an enormous and immense amount of value in some of these tactics I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. All right. So why do, why am I even, you know, sharing this with you guys? Why, what, what even made me think to provide something like negotiating tactics on the million dollar mind podcast. Well, if you've been listening long enough, you know that the million dollar mind podcast is always, always, and always going to prioritize abundance as the mission of the podcast. The mission of the million dollar mind podcast is to get us all to see that life is abundant and there's an abundance of opportunities out there for us. And so I just want to be able to provide you with the tools to be able to seize the abundance of opportunities that come and will continue to flow and fall on your lap. So if you learn these skills and you learn how to negotiate certain things and you have these opportunities like to buy a house, you have this opportunity to start this new business. You have this new opportunity to, you know, get this promotion at work. I want to at least provide the tools. So you're best prepared when that opportunity comes you don't have to think about it. You just act because you're going to you're going to be a stronger influencer and you're going to learn to never split the difference. And this is going to be a turn that comes up often in today's episode. Never split the difference because rookie negotiators all the time. We think that a good negotiating is good negotiation is starting at point A. Someone else coming out and no, I want to be at point B. And we just try to meet somewhere in the middle and we think that's the win win for everybody. But that's not the case. That's a weak negotiation, and I want to teach you strong negotiations because what a strong negotiation does, it increases the power of your dollar, right? It increases the power of your dollar. It increases the impact that you can make both as a human being both with your and with your money, and then it increases the amount of growth and opportunity that you have in any position that you're in when you learn and you intentionally utilize these negotiating tactics. So what are they? Let's get started and share the meat and potatoes of the six, the top six negotiating tactics that I've also gotten from a, a book that I'm reading and I've read twice and we're always doing trainings in, in, in my office. We're always training our new acquisition members on the principles in this book. And that's never split the difference by Chris Voss. Now, if this is the first time that you're hearing about this book, I want you to take a moment and look it up on Amazon, look it up on Google somewhere and go place an order. If this is something seriously that you want to, you know, if this is a skill that you really want to sharpen, but first and foremost, with any good negotiator, with any successful game, right? Because <laughs> this is valuable for sports. This is valuable for really anything. You have to plan your strategy. You have to plan your strategy. You have to imagine what this is going to look like. Imagine the end result and then work backwards. So let's say, for instance, if I'm going to buy a car, 
and I'm probably going to use this analogy a lot, buying a car, because this is one that is, you know, no matter if you're a real estate investor or if you're uh, self-employed or you're, if you're employed, most of us are going to experience that first time buying a car or just buying a car in general. So I'm probably going to use that as my example a lot. But if you're going to buy a car before you just you know, like you just don't want to just drive up to the lot and just window shop. And when you find something, ask them, well, how much does it cost? And then you start the process. No, you want to plan your strategy. You want to already know and have an option of it, like two to three cars that you know you want. And you want to have a, a, a strategy on how you plan to get the one that you want. Right. And you're going to learn how to see the end result that whether that's me walking out of this lot with this car or that car, that's the end result. And then I'm working backwards on how I can get there. And I also have in mind, you know, planning your strategy is knowing when to walk away as well. What is your MAO? What is your maximum allowable offer? What is the most that you want to want to pay a month or up down, um, up front, whatever the case is, you want to identify these things, ask yourself these questions. So if I'm walking into this lot, I already know what's the most that I want to pay per month if I'm leasing it or financing it. And then what's the most that I want to put down or the most that I want to spend if I'm paying cash. So then now that gives you a target and that gives you a goal that you want to hit. And a MAO again, which means maximum allowable offer lets you know when to walk away. A poor negotiator doesn't know when to walk away. And a, a lot of us sometimes don't know when to walk away. And we, we do it to ourselves. And especially when buying a car, we go through this long process to where we probably spent the whole day shopping around for cars. We find ourselves in one dealership for about two and a half, two hours because they running the finance report and they doing all this stuff. And all they really doing is just stalling us, making us exhausted of the process. So when we get the bad news, we kind of it's not that bad. Um, so we still end up going with it because it wasn't that bad. But no. I have an MAO. So if you go over my MAO, sir, you are not getting this sale. So that's what I mean by planning your strategy. When you learn to plan your strategy, like we do this all the time in, in our real estate negotiations, like we have an entire strategy that we're pretty much, you know, before we get on the call, we pretty much have a, a target. We have an MAO. We're trying to identify the after retail value so that we have something to compare about. That's another thing that you want to do is look at what most of these cars are going for retail or in the condition that you're buying it. For example, if you're buying a car that's not a 2021, right, or even a 2022 because they got those coming out now, uh, you want to figure out what people are paying for older models of this car, right? If you're looking at a 2016 model, you want to see what most people are paying for 2016 of that car that you're looking for, right? You don't want to compare it. You don't want to compare apples to oranges, right? You don't want to say, okay, well, this this Dodge Charger 2020 is going for 38000 and then you're really looking for a 2016 Nissan Altima. How would you know? Which what your MAO is if you if you're already comparing it to the wrong thing. So that's just an example of how you want to plan your strategy. Again, most of that planning your strategy, uh, you can't really predict too much of, you know, what the person is going to say. So, like, you can do, you know, um, role plays and things like that. You can practice with like a loved one and family member, but you can't really predict how the conversation is going to go until you get there. So when you plan your strategy, the main focus point is identifying a maximum allowable offer, a target and some type of comparable. 
some type of comp. So I said ARV for the real estate, but if you're looking at cards, you want to look at, you know, uh, different comps. If you're trying to look for, if you, um, trying to negotiate a promotion, you want to do some research and plan your strategy by, you know, seeing who's your competition. So you have an idea of who else is running or trying to get this position that you're hopeful for or looking, you know, looking to obtain. So th these are all examples, right guys, of how you can plan your strategy. And that's just one of the top ones. That's just one. We still have five more to get to. So I'm going to, you know, <laughs> not get into these, um, these, these, uh, these tangents. So number two, leverage ego. What is leverage ego? Is what, what does that mean? Leverage ego. What is an ego? How people feel about themselves ultimately is all the ego is right. And because humans feel good about the things that they're doing and they like talking about the things that they do, we have to learn how to leverage that. Right. Leverage people's ego, which is ultimately just buttering them up. So, again, going back to that uh, buying a car scenario, an easy way to leverage ego there is, you know, when you're, you know, doing the test drives and any opportunity really that you have, ask about that salesperson. Ask about, you know, how long they've been in sales. Do they enjoy it? What was their most memorable um, you know, their favorite client, what was their ideal client? What was the worst client that they had come in? Right. Not only are you, you know, having them talk about what they love to do or what they do, but you're learning because the more they talk, the more you have an opportunity to listen. So you can learn about what their worst client was. So, you know, not to be that person, you can, you know, you can learn what their, mo their ideal client was, their favorite client, and you can show signs of you possibly being their favorite client. So now they're willing to work with you. So that's an example of, you know, leveraging a person's ego. It's ultimately just utilizing conversation and making them feel good about themselves. Right. And while you're doing that, there's going to be some other things that you want to utilize in tandem that I'm going to talk about later. But next, let's go into use experts. Number three, I like the using experts uh, tactic as far as negotiations go, because you get to take yourself away. Because sometimes in negotiations, we think it may be a me versus you thing. But when you when you have an opportunity to use experts, you take it away from me versus you. And it's more so me and you and we're going against this person, right? So a good way, a good example of utilizing experts, let's just say when you, you know, buying a car, you can say things as, Hey, I, I did some research and, you know, Kelly blue book was telling me that, you know, cars around this age and in this model are, are really are going for about 16,000. I see you guys have this one, you know, marketed for 19,000, you know, where did you guys get that, get that price? Was there any additional work that you've done? Any, you know, any things that you've done to it to increase the value? That's a great question, right? And I hope you guys are writing some of these questions down because, you know, it's always good to have a, a, a bank of questions that you study. And also in tandem with this, I would even check out some spin selling as well, uh, learning different situational problem implication and need payoff questions, different questions in different phases of a sales process or a negotiation process as well. Okay. So utilizing experts in real estate, we use experts all the time. You know, I'll typically use the MLS as an expert. So when I'm letting these sellers know, you know, why their price is uh, just not realistic, I, I, I take myself out of it. I don't, I don't come back with, well, I think that you should be paying this because this is what we typically, this is what I typically buy properties for. Like, nah, Using experts make me 
more of a middleman, like, hey, I'm just communicating what's, what I'm seeing from other investors. So a way that we use that in real estate is I usually say, hey, it looks here, you know, a couple properties on the same street as you. Uh, investors are typically paying about forty to 50000 for homes in this condition. Was that more or less what you were looking to sell your home for? So I'm, I'm, I'm taking myself out of it. And now I'm just bringing them facts to the neighborhood from what experts are doing and seeing if from that information, we can find some type of solution. So, you know, it's different ways, again, that you can use experts and for, you know, getting a raise or anything job related. Uh, this can be a little bit more trickier, but you do have a lot of of opportunities for that. If you had any good run-ins with CEOs and managers at your company and they said, Hey, and they gave you any type of compliment, you can use them as an expert, right? You can say, Hey, you know, I, I feel like I've deserved this. You know, I got a couple uh praises and recognition from the things that I've done in the past, specifically from the CEO of the Easter. Re like, you know, it's, it's different ways you can be creative, but identify some experts in your field, experts in your industry and figuring out how what they say agrees with the position that you want to take in a negotiation. Right. That's pretty much what that means. Moving on to number four, one of my favorites uh, ever since I, you know, was into the, the sales, the telecommunication sales, man, sense of urgency has always been one of my favorite negotiating tactics because all it is, is you taking a person that, is not moving with such an urgent pace and you're making them make a decision uh, with, with urgency, right? You're letting them know like, Hey, I only have two left and I have another lady that I have to talk with next week or not next week. Cause that's nothing's urgent about next week. I have another lady that I'm talking to later on tonight uh, and another woman I'm talking to tomorrow morning. I, before I move on, I really want to make sure that I'm giving you an equal opportunity on this on this woman's seller. So, is there anything that we can do to maybe come to an agreement here today? So that way you don't miss out on the opportunity. I even put my FM radio voice on. That's a, that's another negotiating tactic, but that's actually not surprisingly one of the um, top six that I would say. But moving on back to that sense of urgency, how you can use this in that buying a car or buying a house scenario, specifically for buying a car. Right. Definitely for buying a car, because those salesmen, they have quotas that they're, they're in there all day, every day for the most part. So they have quotas that they want to hit. I would say when buying a car it's best to go towards the end of the day when it's around six o'clock and they wrapping things up and you might get that salesman. Most of the times you're going to get the salesman that hasn't hit his quota yet, which is why he's still there. The ones that hit their quota, they may take an early day or they may start some, they just may take the rest of their, the end of their day to do paperwork or whatever the case may be. So when you go in there around six o'clock, you're going to get the salesman that hasn't hit his quota. So you not really moving with no urgency until the end when it's time to make a decision and you have most of the leverage you've done, you planned your strategy, you leverage their ego by asking them about themselves, building some rapport, telling them that they're awesome at what they do. They made you feel super comfortable with the process. You utilizing experts like Kelly blue book and other things like family members that may have told you factual things about car buying and things like that. Right. And then finally at the end, it comes to making the decision on whether you want to pull the trigger or not. You have sense of urgency on your side because you can be like, man, I, I know you've been here, Chris, or Mr. Salesperson. I know you've been here since of about, you know, seven o'clock this morning and you've been working hard. You have taken you have taken care of me and I and I know you 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 love what you do. 
or at least that's what you make me feel like, man. You, you did a great job and I really do appreciate everything that you've done. But the thing is, man, I I know that you want to get out of here with the sale and, and I'm I'm ready to buy right now. You know, I'm not playing any games. I I, I don't I don't if, if I could. Uh, if I don't have to, I don't want to come back. I want to take care of this today. So, you know, what's the best that you can help me out with here? Because like I said, my MAO, you're probably not going to say MAO because you'll sound like, uh, you'll just sound like an, an asshole. <laughs> Nobody talks like that in real life. So I was like, man, I mean, my budget was, I wasn't trying to leave out of here spending more than $400 a month for this new vehicle. I know right now you got me at like 420, man. Just tell me some, give me some good news. Is there anything that you can do to help me out? Cause like I said here, if you can get me under that 400 mark, we can sign, we can sign for it right now. Boom, man, that sense of urgency. You're letting them know like, man, if you can do anything to help me out, I guarantee you a sale before the end of your work day. Do you know how powerful that is? Especially for the salesperson that has not reached their quota yet for the day. They have not met their goal, so they're literally banking on this sale. That is leverage. That is leverage. So I really hope you guys are really taking a lot of this into consideration because sense of urgency is one of my favorites. But the next two are close seconds and close thirds. <laughs> because, man, if you thought the top three were strong, the top three are strong, right? But it's like they don't, like they, they can work, but they I can also see how they can backfire. Planning your strategy, that can backfire if you give yourself analysis paralysis and you try to predict everything that'll go on, right? That's how planning your strategy can backfire. Try to overcompensate or overprepare. Leveraging ego, they can sometimes sense if you don't do that well, this thinks this takes practice. Cause if you just haven't I mean it's kind of like they can see that you just kind of like what do you you don't really care about what I do. You're just trying to talk, maybe see if you if I you know, they, they feel that they're salesmen at the end of the day. So they they know what you're doing. So you gotta practice that and, and make sure that it's natural and it flows. Now with sense of urgency, that also takes a little bit of practice, but sense of urgency in these last three really work like very consistently and it's hard for you to really mess these things up. So we talked about sense of urgency. Number five is going to be mirror. And no, I'm not saying that you should pull up to the car dealership or you should pull up to the house that you're, you're viewing before purchasing, or you should pull up to your boss's office with a mirror and have them talk to that mirror. That's not what I'm saying at all. Mirroring is a very strong negotiating tactic that makes you relatable to the person that you're talking to your other position, the, the other position, right? Player B, your player A, mirroring makes you more relatable to player B, makes you look like player B when you're still player A. Makes sense? And I'm going to give you some examples, right? Uh, in, in person-to-person sales, we, we, we use mirroring. It's very, um, it's very, um, it's based on appearances, right? Doing what they do. So if I see a person, especially in the Walmarts, man, if I seen a person, you know, leaning on a cart while they stopping to talk with me and they got one elbow on the cart, one elbow on a, you know, one hand on their chin. I'm most likely going to lean on their cart with my hand on my chin as I'm talking to them, what I'm talking to them about. Cause it just is relatable and it makes me look like them. If they start using certain, certain words, I'm going to start using those words. If they start using certain slang, I'm going to start using that slang. If their body, body language and their body movements are a little bit slower, I'm going to move a little bit slower. If they're talking a little bit slower or faster, I'm going to talk slower or faster. That's basically what mirroring is. Now, mirroring to a certain extent, you can't use it, especially if you're doing things over the phone. Let's just say now 
we have conversation because with COVID, we're having a lot more conversations via Zoom and on the phone. So that person to person interaction, we don't we don't have a lot of those things at our disposal anymore. So mirroring sounds a little bit different when you're doing these things over the phone. It sounds more like a person saying in real estate, oh, no, 150 is my bottom. I'm not going no lower than 150. Mirroring in that case is literally just me repeating that back to them. I'm not saying I agree or I disagree because you don't want you you don't agree. You're still trying to get it cheaper than 150, and you don't want to say you disagree because now they're putting their guards up because they see you as an opponent. So mirroring is like, got it. All right. So you don't you're not going to go any lower than 150. It's just repeating it back to them. <laughs> like essentially that's all it is. And you don't just want to repeat, like you don't want to sound like a broken record. You want to say it, you know, with a concerning voice. You want to say it like you actually heard them like, Oh, I don't want to go any lower than 150. I don't want to go any lower than 150. That is horrible and sucky mirroring. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that, man. You don't want to do that. So it's more so coming from a concerning angle. Like if, if your mom or a close friend share something concerning about like their day. Oh man, I had a very rough day. I don't even know if I want to go back there tomorrow. Man, you, you don't want to go back there tomorrow. That's mirroring It's more so coming from a concerning angle like this. I'm your friend. Now let me step from across the other side of the table and step to the side alongside with you on the same side of the table. That's a very strong negotiating tactic mirroring start figuring out how you can use mirroring and chris voss talks about this over and over and over again and never split the difference and then finally last but certainly not certainly not least that's it silence silence is the last and strongest 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 negotiating tactic that you can ever use Especially when the other side counter offers or offers, you just got to be silent. Like I'm talking about the type of silence that is uncomfortable, like the type of silence where you got to squeeze your butt cheeks together because it's so uncomfortable. Like, oh, I want to talk, but I just can't. This is especially strong for, you know, real estate negotiations, uh, negotiating on cars, negotiating, you know, you know, especially over the phone. Silence is strongest over the phone. I will say that in person. Uh, it, silence is still strong because you can use fa facial expressions and things like that. Body language lets the person know that you heard them. <laughs> like you're not ignoring them that you're just thinking. Uh, but silence is especially strongest over the phone because it sounds something like this. I'm Mrs. Seller. So, yeah. Um, I'm not really trying to go. Um, I'm really not trying to sell for anything less than 200. Got it. Got it. So you're not trying to sell for anything less than 200. Miss Seller. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm taking a look at the neighborhood here, and I see that investors right now in in the condition, and, and these are homes in the same size, Miss Seller, as your home here, and it's on the same street, so we know it's in the same neighborhood. Right now, investors are, are paying anywhere from thirty to, to 40000 for homes in, in this neighborhood and in this condition. $40,000, $50,000. That's right. Mm, well, I don't, I don't, that's how it sounds. You just be quiet and you let them ask you direct questions. If they're not asking you a question, don't break the silence. 
Because a lot of times what you're going to get, especially when you do things like that, like drop an anchor, that's what an anchor is. Like, no, we're not saying we're going to get this lady 30 or 40,000 for her home, but it's an anchor. It's, it's, letting her, it's, it's resetting her expectations. So now instead of 200,000, she may say that her bottom is 75,000 because that's how it works psychologically. So it's just an anchor. So when you, when you ask, a, when you, especially when you saying numbers, silence gives the anchor time to actually work. So what they're going to do is they're just going to talk. They're going to emotion. They're going to, they're going to vocalize their emotions. They're going to let you know that they don't disagree. They may even hang up on you. You just call them back and say, I don't know what happened, <laughs> but just, you want to give silence the power that it really has. And that's getting the person to talk and expose their new position. Cause you gave your position and silence is what exposes their position or at least a start to their position. So that's why I really love silence, guys. I, I use silence all the time. Uh, and then I use experts all the time as well, especially when I'm negotiating these real estate transactions. I, I put I put pressure on, quote unquote, the team all the time. Hey, I don't know how the team is going to feel about this, especially since you're coming down, you know, your thirty thousand dollars below other offers that we have. So I just have to take it back to my team and, you know, see if there's anything that we can work out. But leave me some time and, and I get back to you. And it's like at the end of the day, I. I'm making a decision if I want to, if I want to move forward with them or not, but it's like, they don't know that it's like, it comes from all these, all these tactics. You just have to learn how to utilize them intentionally before you get into a negotiation, plan your strategy, figure out who it is that you're talking to. So you can figure out ways to leverage their ego. If you're talking to a car salesman, if you're talking to an agent, if you're talking to a seller, if you're talking to your boss, right? Figure out ways that you can leverage their ego. That, that's also a part of planning your strategy. Maybe even figure out what experts that you can use and what things that you have done for some of the experts in the industry or field that you're, you know, you're pursuing opportunities for, right? Sense of urgency, don't be urgent until it's time to be urgent, though. Understand that. Don't be urgent until it's time to be urgent. Sometimes too much urgency can come off as thirst. You can come off thirsty and then you give them the leverage. So don't be urgent until it's time to be urgent. Mirroring. This makes you relatable. This puts you in the other player's shoes. So that player is going to be like, wow, they really understand what I'm going through. We're, we're one and the same. We can talk about almost anything. They put their guards down. They start talking more, which gives you an opportunity to listen more and learn more. And it's silence. Back to silence. I mean, I said why silence can be powerful as far as, you know, dropping an anchor, but also just silence in general. Right. When you ask a question, mute yourself out if you if you have to so that you can really listen to what they're saying and not cut them off. I know oftentimes we cut people off because we like we hear something that sticks out to us and then we'll try to interject before they finish their thoughts. And that that can hinder us because we don't let them get everything out. So we're missing pieces. Right. We're missing pieces. So silence, silence, silence. Ask a question and shut up. Drop an anchor and shut up. Because when we talk less, we listen more. Talking less during a negotiation is almost always, always, always a good thing. Unless they asking for, you know, unless they give you an objection and you just start talking less, giving one word responses. That's when it's not a good thing. But talking less is mostly more often than not going to be a good thing and will be a driving force for your negotiation. All right. Now, with that said, we about to move on because 
you know, I, I want you guys to really see and I want to put emphasis, you know, I want to emphasize the importance of all six of these tactics because ultimately understanding these negotiation tactics is the difference between getting what you want versus getting what you need. Getting the house for getting the house that you want for the asking price or getting the house that you want for the price that you really need. Right. If you could save 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars on the purchase of a home, that is you can use that 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars for for whatever you want. You can put it into savings. You can, you know, put it into your business. You can put it into renovations. You can put it into a lot of things. So it's the difference between getting what you want versus getting what you need. And then practicing, right? Understanding the tactics is one thing. Practice, practicing the, ta the tactics with intention is a whole nother thing because that ultimately is the difference between cultivating poor versus strong relationships. If you're just out here trying to negotiate people and, you know, lowball people and you don't really intentionally use these these tactics. Right. You, you're not really leveraging ego. You're not buttering people up. You're not really doing any of these things, but you're trying to negotiate prices and terms and all this stuff. You at the end of the day, come off as the person that's, you know, that that's just a lowballer. Right. You just you just somebody who's just trying to take, take, take. But you don't have anything to give because, again, we talked about in another episode concessions. And knowing when to concede and give up certain terms, not to give up your position on price, because sometimes we think negotiating is always negotiating on price. Sometimes we can negotiate on terms as well. So that's something to think about, too. So, again, practicing these tactics with intention is the difference between cultivating poor and strong relationships, knowing how to separate yourself from the situation and make yourself a part, you know, player B two while they're player B and make an expert player a that you just kind of represent. That's how you can build stronger relationships as opposed to cultivating poor relationships by just saying, Hey, I wanted to get this how I want to get this car for $18,000 despite what y'all got going on selling it for 36. Right. And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't leverage ego. You didn't really give no sense of urgent. You didn't really do a lot. You didn't really do enough. So it's like that can that can make that person not even want like next time they see you in a dealership, they don't want to talk to you or the next time, you know, uh, that transaction of that home may fall through. And, you know, these realtors talk, you know, now all of a sudden you got other, you know, other home sellers who know of your reputation to send lowball offers. You don't want that reputation. So it's just like be be very wary of how you use and how you choose not to use these tactics. I would say in any negotiation, you should aim to use all six tactics uh, within that, that cycle. It doesn't always have to be in the first touch or first call. It could be in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. But in that in that in that cycle, in that negotiation sales process or cycle, you should use all six of these negotiating tactics. All right. You know, if I started practicing these tactics today, how and where could I best use them? These are some questions that I want you guys to ask yourself before we wrap this up and before we part ways today. If I started practicing these tactics today, how and where could I best use them? This is going to help you identify what you're passionate about, the things that you're already doing and making it make sense for how you can literally start negotiating even in that industry, whatever. Because I talked about so far a couple different industries from buying a house, buying a car to get in the promotion, but whatever it is that you want to do, you can utilize these tactics, 
Right. And the second question I want you all to ask yourself is which of these tactics do I already do naturally for me? Silence. I get silent naturally all the time. Silence is one of my natural, natural tactics that I can, you know, cause I love to think. I don't like to really talk before I have an opportunity to think I'll hear what a person saying and I can get so quiet where they ask me, am I still there? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still here. I'm actually just thinking about, you know, what you just said and just trying to really f- figure out how, how we can, you know, come to a solution here. Ooh, do you know how that sounds? It sounds like you're really coming from a place of understanding and that you're really trying to give them what they need. Right. So as we wrapping this up, y'all, I got a pro tip for you. Make sure that you read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I'm trying to tell you reading that book took me from a solid three in negotiations to a solid eight. I'm getting better and better every day. Tens don't exist for me, man, because perfection doesn't exist. But I will say I'm very strong and I love what I do because of how strong and how much stronger that I'm getting in sales and negotiations. All right. Now, as always, I'm super thankful to have you all a part of the show. I just want you guys to know that. And thanks in advance for becoming the change agents that you're bound to become when you apply the principles that you've heard today. All right. Now. As we starting to wrap things up, I did not forget about y'all because millionaires, we are celebrating episode 100, man. Episode 100 is finally upon us. Wow. 100 episodes. And really, if you think about it, y'all, we, we have bonus episodes back in season one and season two. Uh, and we got bonus episodes for our Patreon members now. So it's like we really well above 100 episodes, but we are celebrating our centennial on this day, especially. And I want to celebrate this amazing milestone by giving back and giving away three amazing opportunities to win the Abundance League success kit. That is three millionaires that are going to win an exclusive purpose over profit hoodie, an official MDMT and a signed copy of my book, Lead from the Front, because we are also celebrating 5,000 copies sold since we launched last June. In just a year, y'all, we have sold 5,000 copies, and I want to celebrate that with you as well. So you're going to get a free copy, a free signed copy of my book, Lead from the Front, an exclusive Purpose Over Profit hoodie, and an official MDMT. And though the free gifts are always going to be great, and they may be enough, I want to give back even more and provide even more value because I'm also giving away to three loyal millionaires, a free one-on-one coaching session and free beta access to the side hustle accelerator, the online platform that is coming to you to help you transition from part-time side hustler to full-time boss. And here's how you can win. You just follow these three simple steps and you have an opportunity to win all of this that is in the Abundance League Success Kit. All you have to do is start by following the Million Dollar Mind podcast on Instagram if you aren't already. That's at T-H-E-M-D-M underscore pod on Instagram. And then all you have to do is tag three friends under any of our posts and comment abundance under any of our posts. I'm going to repeat that again because it's super easy, right? In literally just a few days, in just a couple of days, because today is Friday when you're listening to this, right? 
But on Sunday, we are going to go on Instagram Live. We're going to do a Q&A as well. I want you guys to, you know, participate in that as well. Ask any questions that you have about this episode. If you want to learn a little bit more about negotiation, come ready with some questions. Follow us on Instagram. We're going to go live on Sunday at 7 o'clock. All right. Tag three friends under any post. Comment abundance under any post and make sure that you are following the Million Dollar Mind podcast on Instagram. That's at T H E M D M underscore P O D. And with that said, just remember to keep focus, build momentum, and drive results so you can live abundantly. My name is Kai Speaks, and you just listened to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode 100 on the top six negotiating tactics for life. You can use this literally anywhere, but do so. Hey guys, so thanks to you all, the Million Dollar Mind podcast has went global. The number one passion and attraction podcast in the world right now with huge support from the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Tanzania, and of course the United States. With this accomplishment, we are getting bigger and better than ever. Now that said, we are soon incorporating video production and YouTube platform to the show so you guys can witness the podcast in full effect. You can now become a supporter of the Million Dollar Mind podcast by visiting the link in the description below. Share your support with me via email and you will receive a free gift. Tis the season to give. Peace.